Welcome to Families for Life with Brian and Brian, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we're continuing the nature of the word, part five, necessity. Welcome back. We, we are back. We are we back. Are, we're here, and it's good. I'm excited about this. Yeah. This, is, this has been one of my favorite series that we've done. Really? In how many ever episodes we've done? 50-some episodes? Yeah. Well, it like is that. all about the Bible, so, I mean, we do love the Bible, and that's a good thing. I just think it's so needed. Yeah. It's a good reminder for all of all the believers to know this and to live this out because— um, in our in our Christianity, the 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 Bible is not mm. revered and as the source of truth that it should be, yeah. and it's it's really uh, frustrating when we detach ourselves from the importance of the Word yeah. of God. Well, I think it's you know Jesus says we, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the Father, and I think for us it's similar to real food. We have so much of it so much of it that it's just not important to us anymore because we can get it whenever we want. And so we don't, we're not as thankful for it. Maybe we don't value it as much just because it's everywhere. You know, I've got several different versions, several different copies. And, and so it's really good for us to recognize that this, this came because of God, like we have an abundance of the word because of God's grace and goodness. And um, I'm excited about this topic. Yeah, we're honestly. talking about, we're answering the question, is the Bible necessary? And yeah. wh- if so, why? And so we're going to jump into that. You know, we're, we're relying on one of our sources has been uh, yeah, Dr. Wayne Grudem. Yeah. And he says that the Bible is necessary for knowing the gospel, for maintaining spiritual life, and for knowing God's will, but is not necessary for knowing that God exists or for knowing something about God's character and moral laws. Yeah, so it's interesting when we're talking about the necessity of the Bible, we're actually going to be talking a lot about things that the Bible is not necessary for us to know. There, so so we don't need the Bible to know literally everything there is to know, which is interesting. But but it is needed to know certain things. There are, there are really important and even the most important things uh, that we need the Bible to know. So we're saying the Bible is necessary uh, yes. for the Christian. Yes. Uh, but it's not necessary to know everything there is to know about God. Exactly. Mm, that's exactly. interesting. Yeah, we're going to we're going to get into this, but you know, as we were talking about how to dive into this topic, you know, some people deal with what you need the Bible for and what you don't. I think what we're going to do is dive into the question, what can you know without the Bible? And so a lot of theologians call this general revelation, right? So if you don't have the Bible, what can you know um, about God or about life uh, without it? Yeah, I think that the the biggest thing that we can know is there is a God. There is an existence. Uh, God does exist. We yeah. don't need the Bible to tell us that. Of course, it does tell us that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there's a couple things we can look at. Number one, we can look at the grandness of the universe. Yes. You know, and the scriptures do affirm this. Uh, it says the heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims His handiwork. Yeah, Romans 1, 19 and 20 says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, talking about humanity, is plain to them because God has shown it to them. 
For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Yeah, so, I mean, we can look at the Word. We can also look at the experience. This is what the Bible is pointing us to look at, right? Mm -hmm. We look at all of the things around us, uh, the, the, the world itself, the universe itself, uh, helps us to know and to see there is a God. Yeah. You know, if, if we go and we would uh, walk along the road and we would find a watch and we would look, pick up a watch mm -hmm. and we would say, wow, and, and maybe we'd never seen a watch before. We didn't know what a watch was, but we picked up a watch and we said, wow, this is a very complex timepiece. We wouldn't say, boy, I wonder how all these parts fell together. Yeah. <laughs> what what Big Bang caused this, this, this timepiece to happen with right. all of its complexities and its and its specific things that needed to happen to make it work. No, we would say, I wonder who made this. Right, right. And I think the universe is very similar. Yeah, and that's a whole I mean we could we could have multiple series on on that whole discussion, but but that's the point is is we're really getting at the fact that it's it's clear, it's obvious to us that God and you were even saying before uh when we were discussing this episode about how like the Hubble Space Telescope mm -hmm. has seen you know the things that we've seen because of the space telescope we can see the the universe in such a way that has just blown people's minds i mean scientists are blown away by the grandeur of the universe well in one in one picture they were sh they were talking about how there's hundreds of galaxies yeah, in, like in, a pixel in of one a yeah. picture yeah and so you're thinking we talk about galaxies we're talking about our 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 solar little system. solar system lives in a bigger galaxy. Yeah. So there's lots of other galaxies out there as well. And, you know, our sun is relatively small. Our planet is very small compared to other uh, suns and, and bodies and stars that are out there. And so it's just, it's amazing. I was, I was, I was showing a video to my son who just doesn't understand what stars are yet. Mm. And so I showed him the YouTube video, the comparison of the different sizes mm -hmm. of stars. And I'm watching that. And my wife was listening to us talk about it. And I was, wow, wow. But then eventually I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Like, whoa. Oh, wow. You can't even see yeah. our earth anymore. You can't yeah. see. It's amazing. Yeah. So, you know, every time we go bigger, we find more and more, yeah. right? Like there's no end. It seems like there's no end to the universe, right? Because every time we build a bigger telescope or we send a, we send a, a probe out into space, we find more and more of space. We yeah. find more grandness. And so we have to ask, there's no way that all of this could have come from, Nothing. you know, the popular theory is the big bang theory. Right. And so there's no way that this could have come from a, the big bang. Right. The only explanation is that, somebody some intelligent being made this well and what's interesting is the big bang says that everything exploded in existence out of nothing and what we would say is god made everything come into existence out of nothing right and, and so we recognize that that's what happened and so how exactly it happened we don't know but we do know that god did it because his, his word tells us and it's clearly obvious but one of the things i have an issue with is atheists like to say well things are too big and too too um, you know insanely large there's no reason why god would need to do that god doesn't need to do that and i'm like yeah but that's like a, a billionaire buying a gigantic house they don't need a gigantic house but they do it because they can and that's God. You know, God is so big. He's well, they're so pointing, amazing. right? They're pointing to their their glory and their importance. Right. And so, would God not be doing the same thing by creating such a 
vast universe and that speaks to his bigness and that right? tells us who he is so we can know things about how big god is because of how big the universe is right that's exactly right so we have uh, our own experience what we see affirms it and we have all of this but what about the complexity of of the molecular world so we go big what about going small? Yeah, and this was really your point, and I thought it was a really good point, and it, it got me thinking, you know, one of the things I, I remember studying when I was wrestling with different, uh, just, you know, whether or not God exists, the idea that there is data mm. within the molecular world, like, especially in the DNA, in, the, in, the, in biology, molecular biology, there is data streams. So, like, there's coding and you don't ever find coding unless there's intelligence. Right. There's never code unless there is something making the code. Right. And that is what molecular biology is, is coding. And that blows my mind. Like, yes. that's amazing. Like, like your cells are many computers. And, and, and it's, it's, it's just insane. And you can see God's fingerprints in that. Right. Yeah. The smaller we go the smaller particles are found. We keep, we keep, you know, we keep going bigger, building bigger telescopes. We also keep going smaller and building more powerful microscopes. Yeah. And, you know, we thought at one time the atom was the smallest thing. And then we open up an atom. We find out there's things inside of an atom, electrons and protons and neutrons. And we open up those and we find out there's things inside of those. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And we just keep getting smaller and smaller and it doesn't seem to have an end to it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it will, maybe it won't, but, but, I mean, we're, we're seeing things that are, there's no way that, that God, that there's not a creator, an intelligent right. designer of somebody who made our universe. Yeah. So we can just look at our universe, look at science itself, and we can say, I can't reconcile this any other way, but then to say there was some sort of intelligent designer. And so we're pointing to what? A God. That's right. And, and one last one is just the nature of light waves and particles. This is just really what this shows us is how we constantly keep learning new things. Every time somebody thinks they figured something out, something happens in the universe that, that makes us realize like, whoa, we don't understand anything. But it all works according to some kind of pattern, and we just keep learning this pattern. So, you know, Christians came up with the idea of science because we knew that God had an ordered world, and so we we wanted to figure out how the world how the order worked. And we keep finding that it's God is so big and so complex and so amazing. We just keep learning, and it's amazing. So we can know that God exists, and we can know He's amazing, but we can also know what kind of God He is, right? We can know his character. That's right. Yeah. Part of this plays into just the image of God, what God has imprinted on all of mankind. We are made in his image, the Imago Dei. And this means we are like God and we represent God. This is from uh, Grudem talking about the image of God. So we can know something about God by looking at ourselves exactly we are we're to be mirrors the problem is, is we are a marred mirror now because of right of the sin issue in the world the fall of man so we we can't know god perfectly uh, through through just looking at ourselves we can't know him perfectly but we can know him truly and so yeah we think about just the intelligence that humans have and the ability to learn and grow we uh, you know, animals can do some of these things, but it's it's often through training and repetition and things that they learn. They're not normally 
uh, it's it's through instinct. It's not a self-learning process or a self-realize. You know, we have the ability to uh, self-realize mm-hmm. who we are and our place in this world, and that comes from God. Yeah, the spiritual nature of humans comes from God. the The desire to create, yeah. the desire to build, and that comes from God. That's right, and 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 that's that's all there is to it. It's is when we see ourselves, we can see the things about God. We know He's intellectual. We know He's moral. We know He's spiritual. We know that He has dominion because we practice dominion. We know that He's creative. All of these things are true. Um, and there's an even deeper thing we know about God is this idea, this moral law, something we recognize in ourselves that comes from God. Um, the animal, the animal kingdom does not have this, right? But but humanity does because we're made in His image, and and He is like this. We have this moral law, and so Romans chapter two kind of helps us understand. Romans deals with this a lot, and Paul Paul was just so <laughs> I'm so thankful that God inspired him to write this. Right? Romans two fourteen and fifteen says, "For when the Gentiles who do not have the law, he's talking about the Old Testament law, they don't have the law." But by nature, they do what the law requires. They are a law to themselves, even though they don't have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. And so Paul is getting at the idea that all human beings have morality written on their hearts because we were made by a moral God. Yeah. You know, C.S. Lewis has a lot to say about this in Mere Christianity, and he has a whole argument about this. And what he calls it is the oughtness, that there's a there's an oughtness in us that we ought to act a certain way. Yeah. Now, obviously, we know because of the sin nature, we don't we don't always reflect this. We don't we don't do what we think we should do. Right. Right. We don't live up to that expectation. Yeah, but <laughs> in every society without exception there is a desire to uphold some standard of law right and it goes to i mean you're talking the the tribe in africa that's never you know never seen a, a westerner or anything like that there is some sort of law within their tribe there's right. some sort of uh oughtness to them that you know if you steal from me mm-hmm. that is a that is a crime right that is something wrong morally wrong with that you know, if you sleep with my wife, there is something morally wrong with that. Now, different cultures have different sensitivities. For right. instance, in, in our Western culture, the sexual ethic has been completely stripped away for the most part. And that's just not a problem here for, for most people. Yeah, it is yeah. a, for the Christian. For the secular world, it's not a problem. But yeah, for exactly. most people. But in other societies, that may be a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Whereas other things like saying cannibalism... Right. You know, is not is yeah. not taboo to them, but it would be to us. That's right. You know, and so I'm not I'm not saying that all of the laws translate across all society, but what I'm saying is every society has this moral oughtness, this moral desire to live up to a standard. Well, it's similar to how every society, every place in the world has always worshipped something. Mm. Yes. Everyone always worships. Now they don't get it right. So we're not saying that all the laws that are ever made in all of the world are right, but we're saying that the fact that that exists points to a, a greater reality, which is God. That's right. We ask the question, We, you know, if, if you see these things and you say everyone has this commonality, where does it come from? And I really think that all of these things point to God. Yeah. They don't reveal 
all there is to know about God, but they point to him that there is a God. I mean, even look at our laws, right? Yes. Our laws are based primarily on the laws of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so we do have the advantage of having scripture, but why do we still uh, hold to these? Because there is a morality that is ingrained in us. Right. We have a conscience. We know, at least um, when you're a kid, you know, like the yeah. first time you lie to your parents, you get that that mm-hmm. tinge in your conscience, right? Now, as you grow, and maybe we lie all the time, right. that, that you can suppress that voice. But I do know that when we are uh, entering different areas of sin, our conscience speaks to us because God has implanted that on us. That's right. And that's what he says, yeah, because that's what Paul was saying. They're, they're conflicting thoughts accuse them or even excuse them and so you have this this you're you feel the accusation of your conscience saying no no that's not right but eventually you can push that down in your sinfulness and and then you can start excusing yourself that that's trying to be self-righteous right and so you know everyone believes i think you said this brian i thought it was really good everyone believes in the last six of the ten commandments or they believe it to the point to where if you do that to them yes yes like if you do this to me like i might be able to do it to you because because i'm a good person but but if you do it to me then that's bad but we don't base those six of the ten commandments in the first four Mm. which are all about worshiping god and so what we're really doing is we are saying i am the god of this moral universe and i want you to obey my that's my morality well that's part of why we live in a postmodern culture where where truth is relative right well that's why it's so necessary to have the bible and so the, the, it's interesting people can know these things about god but they don't always actually know them right right and and the they're, reason well why, they're blinded exactly Exactly. Keep, yeah, keep roll with that. Well, it's just because of our sin nature, we are we're blinded to the truth, and God has to reveal Himself to us. We we may see that there is a complexity to the world and desire to know this Creator, but unless God is able to reveal Himself to us in a in a way, we we can't know Him in a way that we are uh, have any sort of meaningful relationship right. with Him. And this is why the Bible is so important right yes absolutely uh westminster the westminster confession says has a really good quote it says that although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness wisdom and power of god as to leave men inexcusable yet are they not sufficient to give that knowledge of god and of his will which is necessary for salvation Mm. and somebody who i think of um, you know, there's a, there's a popular guy out named Jordan Peterson um, nowadays. And if you listen to Jordan Peterson, there are times you'll listen to him and be like, man, that guy's a Christian. Like, he sounds like a Christian. But the more you listen to him, you realize, like, he doesn't actually have a relationship. He doesn't really believe these things. Mm-hmm. I think I've been paying attention. I think he's actually – I think the Lord's actually working on him. I, I've been paying attention. It's really interesting. But he is an example of somebody who knows all of this stuff, all of this general revelation. And he just hasn't he hasn't started believing the Bible yet. But I think God's working on him. And so let's talk about what do you need the Bible to know? What is this special revelation, right? Yeah. What is the Bible necessary to yeah, know? Yeah, the Bible is necessary to know the gospel. And this is really a, a, a hot point. I listened to a, the lecture by Grudem, and he made a lot about, he made 
a, a big point about this because oftentimes when we speak apologetically, this is the question people want to know. Most of our society, and and shamefully, many Christians believe in a universal salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At some point, whether whether it's through the means of Christ on this earth or or in the afterlife, we will all be saved. And this is where the the Catholics get their idea from purgatory and, and, you know, only the really, really bad people, the really, really bad sinners go to hell. Um, But this idea of universal salvation is nowhere in scripture. And so what we find in scripture is the idea of the gospel and that we must know the gospel, receive the gospel, believe the gospel to be saved. And so someone has to either tell it to you or you have to read it to know the gospel. And so this has many implications on the Christian faith because we look at the world around us and we know that the gospel has not gone to the whole world. There are people that have many people, millions of people, maybe billions that have died without hearing the gospel. And those people go to hell and we say, that's not fair, Mm. right? We say, that's not fair. God should not do that to people that have never heard the gospel. Mm. But here's the thing. Every one of us, because of our sin nature, we stand before God accused. We stand before God guilty of sin. Right. And if God never sent Jesus, if he never made a way for us to be saved, and every one of us died and went to hell, it would be right and just. Yeah, because we get what we deserve. I mean, that's the, that's the whole, that's the beauty of the gospel. The gospel is good news because there is bad news. And what God has done through Jesus is mercy. Yeah. God doesn't have to do that. He desires to do that because he loves us. That's right. And so the, the it comes back on us to say, Christian, you need to be doing what God called us to do and go to the ends of the earth. Share the word. Share the gospel. Uh, you know, we need to be doing more of this because right. I don't think it's on God he has put the command on believers to share the gospel. So if that island, that mythical island in the yeah. middle of the sea that's never heard Jesus, we need to try to reach them for the gospel. Yeah, and we know, listen, you know, listener, we we know that God is sovereign over all these things. We we heartily affirm the sovereignty of God over all these things. And we think that it is a a complex, you know, uh conversation. Um this could be a biblical uh, a uh biblical balance episode maybe one day <laughs> but uh the reality is this is a part of God's plan this is how God made it this is his plan is for the gospel to be the means through which people are saved and so you know th- this is clearly seen in scripture and and without this salvation without God life is ultimately meaningless the gospel is what saves us Romans 1 16 and 17 Paul says I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So the scriptures are how we get, the, or I'm sorry, the gospel is what saves us. Right, yeah, and just like what you were saying, the where we get that is from the scriptures. The scriptures. They're the avenue to the gospel, 2 Timothy 3.15. And how from your childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. Yeah. We know the gospel because of what because God has revealed it to us. Yes. It's in his word. He's given it to us, and you need to just hold on to that, as Paul was telling Timothy. But then we also have to recognize we need to be the ones taking the gospel to people. We need to proclaim it. We need to put Bibles in people's hands and we need to tell people what the Bible says. Romans ten 
14 through 15. How then will they call on him? And it's interesting. Romans 10 is right after Romans 9. And if you're listening and you know what that means, then then you know what I'm saying. But Romans 10, 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Listen, Christian, if God has called you to salvation, then he has called you to be the the beautiful feet that bring the gospel, the good news to people who don't have it. And so we have to proclaim this to people because the Bible is necessary. They need it. And without us giving it to them, they are, they are, they are without hope. And so we've got to do this, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, this has got to be um, what this is. This is one of this is one of the main things that the church should be about is about sending uh, and sharing the gospel. This is why in the Reformation, people died to make the Bible written in people's languages that they could read. People laid down their lives because they recognized if I don't give up my mortal life for these people to read God's word, then their eternal life right. is lost. It's also the reason why missionaries have given their lives to share the gospel. So, I mean, it's one of these things that this is one of those things we fight for. Yeah. It's worth it that we are trying to proclaim the truth of salvation to all of the world. And we need to, we need to press into that because really salvation comes from the word yeah, comes from the 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 work of Jesus revealed to us through the Word, and really we can see that salvation is affirmed through the mm-hmm. Word. First John five eleven through thirteen, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. That this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you to believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Yeah, listen. Universal salvation sounds great, and it may it would make me feel so good to say that right now, to say everyone is going to be saved. You live however you want, and you get saved. But that's just not the truth, Brian. Right. Do we want to deal in myths, or do we want to deal in truths? Because what this says is if you do not have Jesus Christ, you do not have eternal life. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I would love to be able to tell people, yeah, do whatever you want. But honestly, to be honest, I don't want people to do whatever they want. Because when people do whatever they want, they do terrible things. And if God were to just save, if God were to just let people do whatever we want, like God doesn't save us by saying, yeah, do whatever you want and you'll just get in. That's not what Christianity does. Christianity is transformation. Right. It's it's come, you sinner, and let me make you whole. Let me fix you. Let me change your broken heart. Mm-hmm. And so there is transformation. And it's not just, you know, get out of hell free. It's, it's a, it's a, a new birth. You're born again. And it is free to all who want it. Um, but the thing is, 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 you know, universalism sounds good, but it's not good when you really look at it. And what is good is the gospel. The gospel is good and you only have it in the Bible. And so from the gospel, we are given this new life. We are born again. But then the question is, how do I live that out, right? Like, how do I live out this spiritual life? Well, and that's why we need God's word. It's necessary for having a spiritual (laughs) life.
Kevin DeYoung says, in taking God at his word, people talk about spirituality as if it were generated by a concentrated effort to the inner workings of the human soul. But true spirituality is not something found within us. It is something outside of us, created by the agency of God's transcendent Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. You know, sanctification, this this spiritual growth requires the Holy Spirit using his word that he inspired <laughs> to reveal Christ to us and to transform us into Christ likeness. That's what sanctification is, you know. Yeah, one of my most famous uh, famous favorite verses. I <laughs> Jesus's most famous verses, my famous. most favorite John 17, 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So what he's saying is we are made clean. We are set apart by the truth. Yeah. Okay. So the truth is what we're seeking because that is the part that transforms us. Right. How do I get the truth? Well, he's saying (laughs) your word is truth. Thanks. So if, so we follow the logic there. If I want the truth, I must be in the word. Right. Right. If I want to be made like Christ, if I want to be set apart, if I want to be made holy and sanctified, then I must get the truth. The truth is in the word. And listen, this is a big deal. Like everybody and their grandma does yoga nowadays. And I'm not, I'm not hating on yoga, but but they take your grandma it. does yoga not my grandma oh. um but but there are people everybody every it's just a huge thing and what i'm getting at the point i'm making is yoga is not bad that that can be good but when you take it to the spiritual level mm. like everyone is eaten up in our culture with this idea of personal spirituality and the problem with that is it, it is completely devoid of actual spiritual life in god right and so you can't have spiritual life if you're not connected to the spirit of life that's <laughs> right. true yeah and and that's what we're getting at colossians 1 he says him we proclaim talking about jesus warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in christ you don't grow spiritually you don't grow up in this i, I like to think of it as you, if you're born again by the holy spirit well then you're a baby christian you're a baby spiritual christian and you have to grow. You have to mature. You have to grow up. How do you do that? By feasting on the truth, which you just said in the Word of God, which points us to Christ. You grow up into Christ's likeness. Mm-hmm. And so we have to have God's Word in order to do that. You can't do that simply by chanting in your room alone. You can't. Yeah. Well, and, and 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, this is kind of our maybe theme for this whole series, right? Mm-hmm. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for a correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped to every good work. I mean, that's telling us all aspects of our life, uh, the scriptures, all aspects of our spiritual life, the scriptures apply to. And if we ever want to be a mature believer, somebody who uh, we would look at and say that is a person who looks like Christ. Yeah. We must be in the word. Yeah. Well, and I love it because, you know, the Bible, it's necessary. I have to have it. But what's cool about it is it's all I need too. You know what I mean? Like I have to have it, but it's all I need. And, and Dr. Whitney, uh, who wrote spiritual disciplines, um, he says that no spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's word. Nothing can substitute for it. There is simply no, uh, there's, there simply is no healthy Christian life apart from a diet of the milk and meat of scripture. That's good. 
that's that's you know that's just true well that's the thing if we had no other books and this is kind of what we talked about mm-hmm. last week the the word of god would be enough yes it would be enough because it's, it's technically it's really all we need and but we do need it and so you know whitney talks a little bit about how to to take in the word how to have this spiritual life and he talks about he, he kind of progresses in his dealing with the scripture he you, you talk about hearing the scripture and then you read the scripture and then you study the scripture you're diving further and further and you start memorizing scripture and then you're just you're just meditating on scripture that's really what's important here is is really letting scripture change your mind right and as you meditate on it you start applying it in your real life and and so as we do this, we find ourselves having a full and abundant spiritual life. It's it's really important. But finally, what's this uh, other one that we understand? Yeah, the we word? cannot know God's will apart from the scriptures. You know, people are always asking, "What's God's will for me? What's God's will for me?" And I just tell them, "Look in God's word." Right. I mean, there are specific things. You know, you might say. I've got a job um, opening. Mm-hmm. Is that or a, 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 a job offer? Is that God's will? Should I take that job offer? Well, okay, you're not going to open God's word and find right. that. But if you are bathed in God's word, if you are finding opportunity uh, to to read and and let that be in your life, and you're communing with God through prayer, letting the Holy Spirit lead you, then those decisions will be. As if they're coming from God's word, right? you know, because there's already a lot that God tells us in his word, right? Yeah, you'll be guided by his word. I I, I think, especially as a youth pastor, and you know this too, Brian, uh, being being a youth pastor, and you know, now you've got your kids growing up, and we always are trying to help people understand God's will, and, and ourselves, right? I think Kevin DeYoung, his book, Just Do Something, is one of the most helpful things. Once I, once I understood the premise of his book... It, it was freeing. I'm telling you, it was freeing. And so one of the things he draws out um, in his book is this idea of God's will. There's three kind of understandings of his will. The first one is God's will of decree, which is his sovereign plan over everything. Okay, listen, we don't we don't fully know that we have snapshots of that in God's word. We know like where the end is going, right? But we don't know every detail, okay? And that's where we trust God. We, we exactly. have faith that we, he is working all things for our good, as, as Romans 8 says. Exactly. Well, then secondly, we have this idea of God's will of desire. And, and DeYoung calls this his commands and his expectations for living, which is the word, right? In the word, we find his commands and his expectations for how we are to live. That's his will of desire. So that hold on to that for a second. And then the third thing is God's will of direction. So God does have a specific plan for you specifically, but the, the deal is everyone wants to know what that specific plan is. But the Bible doesn't say you're going to know that. The Bible says the word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, not not a roadmap that shows you where the end is, right? And so what DeYoung is getting at is what we need to focus on is God's will of desire, his commands and expectations for living. If we just focus on that, like you're talking about, get your nose in the Bible, focus on how you're supposed to be living what you find is all these other things that you want to know, God just does them. And he doesn't tell you all the details because he wants you to live by faith. Right. 
And so you the specific plan becomes illuminated yes. when we are living out God's will in our lives in all of the other areas. Exactly. And I love the fact that God literally sometimes in scripture, it literally says, this is God's will for your life. Right. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but do we, it's like, hello, are right. we, are we reading that? Are we living that out? You mm. know, it's like, what's God's will. The Bible says this is God's will for your life. Yeah. Why would we not? read that and put that into practice. Yeah, here's, here's a good one. Colossians 1, 9 through 10, uh, it says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. This is Paul writing to the Colossian church. We've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled. Here, here's, here's what he wants. Filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So what's God's will is that you grow in your understanding and knowledge of God and that you do good works. You bear the fruit of the spirit and you live that out. I mean, that's not, that's not that complicated. It can be hard, but it's not complicated. Right. This is, this is easy to understand, hard to, to live out in practice right. because we're being shaped and molded by the word of God. And that's, that's hard sometimes just like Galatians five sixteen. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Yeah. That's God's will for us to walk by the Spirit. If we want to uh, be sanctified, get rid of fleshly desires, what do we do? We walk by the Spirit. What does that mean? He explains it to us in His Word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the, the the Word of God is the inspired Word of God. It comes from the Holy Spirit. So right. reading His Word, and I, I've said this, I think, maybe on the last one, it's like reading the Bible is like reading and praying is like texting God. Mm. When you pray... It's like sending a text message to God. And when you read his word, it's like reading his text back to you. If you're if you're texting somebody but never reading what they respond back to you, huh, you're going to have a really weird conversation. And you're not going to have any idea what your relationship is like. That's good. And so if we're not listening to the Holy Spirit talk to us through his word, then we're not living by the Spirit. And so all we need to do is get into the word, Ask the Lord to help us apply it to our lives, and then just do our best to live it out. He will work those things out for our right. good and His glory. Yeah, these are things we must. We, the Word of God is necessary for us to know the gospel, to have the spiritual life, and to know God's will. We cannot know these things without the Word of God. Yep, that's so right. So it is necessary for the believer's life. Well, it's necessary for life in general, and I would say, you know, because we need to know these things from the Bible. Like you need the Bible, period. So you can know other things, but my point is, if you don't have the Bible, you don't ultimately have life. And so it is necessary for all people. That's why we got to take it to the people. And so that's that's the question, right? Why yeah. does this matter? Yeah, let's get let's get into some application here yeah. of why this matters. So first of all, this matters just kind of in general. Like we said, this is uh, it's necessary. It's necessary for us to live, to know the gospel, to live it out, and really to have a biblical worldview. This is really important yeah. in, in our day and age with culture changing so fast. And, uh, you know, one day culture says this is wrong. And the next day it says, no, this is wrong or this is right. And if we're anchored to God's word, we will have a biblical worldview that will stay true no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. You, you'll know truth. You'll know who God is truly. And you'll know you'll you'll know the world truly. I, I think C.S. Lewis. I was listening to him too, and he talked about how Christians know 
good and evil because we used to be evil and now and now we've been transformed. That's good. Whereas the the truly depraved person doesn't really recognize his depravity. And I was like, wow, that's so true. And so you'll know the world more clearly when you have the word of God. Mm-hmm. And so that's just generally the case, but personally, right? Personally, this matters. The Bible's not just an add-on to your life, right? It's not just a something you supplement your life with. It's it's something that you desperately need, right? Yeah, well, a lot of times we want to think of the Bible as like a checklist of morality, you know, yeah. and it's so much more than that. Yes, it speaks to morality. It speaks to how we ought to live, but it's so much more than that. It's it's a book that, I mean, it describes itself as something that is living and active. Mm, yeah, And so... If, you know, I've, this is my testimony in, as I've read the word and as the Holy Spirit has interacted, the word of God comes alive Yeah, and it speaks to me in the circumstances of my life in amazing ways. Uh, it's just, there's no way to really explain it except to experience yeah, it. That's, that's right. I mean, it's, it's not something you can ignore. It's, it's really the only thing that can give you life and godliness. It's the, it's the only thing. And so uh, for our families, right, what what does this mean for our families? Why does this matter that the Bible is necessary to know, to, have, be, to be saved, to truly know God? Um, well, I think ultimately we have to re- reckon with the, the fact that this is the best possible thing that you can give your kids and loved ones. You cannot do anything better for your family apart from giving them the word of God. I mean, I still have, and I've, I've talked about my grandfather before, I still have his, his, his Bible mm. that he wrote in. And I, that's the best gift. I drive around in his Bronco that he gave me. I love that thing. But, but I would not trade the biblical knowledge that he taught me for that. Like, there's, there's, there's nothing better than this, right? Yeah, yeah we, we teach our kids how to... God wants, I mean, we teach our kids all of these things we just talked about, the gospel and spiritual life and God's will. We show those things to them through the word of God. And so if we can help them understand the necessity of God's word, we're giving them something that is a of lifelong value. Yeah. And ultimately we're implanting a legacy in them that hopefully will go on into many generations. Yeah. If, oh, if yeah. the generations would just cling to the word of God, then they would stay on the right course and and you know for for a very very long time. Yeah, I want I want to just read this so I say it the way I wanted to say it. We have no better gift and should have no higher priority than to make God's word a normal and invasive part of our family lives. Mm-hmm. The the word of God should pierce into every part of our family life in some way shape or form. And I'm not talking about having to just do like a you know, four hour long Bible study every day. That's not what I mean. But, but think about it. How could we expect to be godly spouses, godly parents, godly children, godly siblings, if we don't know God, if we don't have God's word, we can't. So it's vital for our families and and it's vital for our church. Yeah. Finally, for our church, uh, we, I don't know how you, I don't know how you do church Without the word of God, I really don't know. I mean, what is what is even? I'm, I'm laughing because churches do try to do. What that. is even the point? 
I would never do that. What is even the point? What, what, as, as our pastor often says, you know, you're not here to hear his opinion. Yeah. You know, you're here to hear the word of God preached. And so if somebody stands up there and they're just giving you their opinion, then it's, it's no better than any sort of self-help seminar. Right. right. You're wasting your time by having to go to church. You can just watch opinions on YouTube all day long. Right. You're going to watch some TED Talks. Right. Exactly. Right. And I think that's how some people really think about church. Though. Right. And, um, and that's the problem. But that's that's the difference is when yeah. we're in the Word of God, we're sharing the Word of God, we're doing it so that believers are discipled and matured so that we can have a biblical church. Yeah. doesn't mean a perfect church. doesn't mean we're not going to have conflict, but it means we're going to live out the truth and the Word of God. And when we do that, Brian, listen, mm, yeah. when the church is living out the Word of God, then it will begin to fulfill its mission. Yeah to make disciples, to share the gospel and make disciples. So here's the thing. These two things, the, the thing that people are concerned about, which is the souls of, of, of everyone in this mm-hmm. world, if we would gather together in church, be united by God's word, then our mission would would be made more clear and more urgent than ever. Do you believe that? I, I Yes, absolutely. And I think another aspect about it is this is, church becomes beautiful mm. when we live it out biblically. And and that's because of going back to Romans 10, it says how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Right. The church, the bride of Christ is, is radiating the beauty of God when we live out biblical, these biblical truths, mm-hmm. when we proclaim the good news. To so them. I would challenge you if you're, if you're in a church and they don't preach the word of God or they open up the Bible and read a verse and then, to close it and the preacher starts giving you his opinion, go to another church. Go to another church that is a Bible believing church. You know, in your families, if you've not made the Word of God a priority, you need to let your family know the Word of God is necessary for us. It is a priority. And personally, yeah, you need to take time to, you know, live this out in your life personally. Yeah. Get into the Word. Get get into the Word. You need it. We need it. I need it. We all need it. And so let's let's do it. You know, no, I don't have to convince somebody like, please go eat some food. I don't have to do that. That's right? exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> is you know, the just as much as food is a necessity for us for us to live the Christian for the Christian, the Word of God is as necessary as food. That's yeah, that's exactly right. So I think that I, I don't know that I could say any more than that, other than just go read the Bible if you haven't read it today. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Get into God's Word. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. We hope this is helpful and encouraging, and we'll see you. We'll see you next time. (laughs) I actually we did a lot. being a slight part. I know I don't like do a whole lot with that normally, but listen, I mean, I'm just a blessing to other people. (laughs) I mean, it's just who I am. Oh yeah. absolutely. That's what I was saying. Who I, it's, I ooze blessings, blessings to other people. (laughs) They're like, wow, I'm so thankful for Brian and Brian, Brian and Brian. (laughs) Is that what they do? Yes. That's exactly Uh what they say. Yep. Well, I don't know those people. So (laughs) when you find them, tell me it's after our episode on thankfulness. Yeah. Be uh, thankful for me. Humility. Now yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> uh.